today. Amen. And so uh, we're going to jump right into it. Um, for those of you who don't know me, my name is uh, Asim Trent. Uh, my wife, Lisa, um, we are the youth pastors, young adult pastors, among other things. Uh, we all wear multiple hats, just like, you know, Pastor Pete doing children's ministries, do, as well as project management over the building. We all wear multiple hats with uh, three people on staff. Uh, but it's a great honor to, to serve the precious people of the Pearl Church. Uh, my wife and I would consider it nothing less than an honor just to serve the young people here. We've been doing this well over a decade, uh, just serving in the house and serving young people, and it's, it's, it's our joy and passion. And so uh, we're going to jump into the Word of God, uh, and we're going to continue on the series from the book of John three years earlier, the, the Gospel of John. And so if you can uh, just we'll read three p- passages of Scripture, and then we'll, we'll pray, and then we'll jump right in. First... Turn to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, in verse 1, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance. Everyone say perseverance. Perseverance, the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. I love that. I could just just camp on that one phrase all morning long. Just fix your eyes. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and then sat down at the right hand of God. Amen? Let's rewind with me to Ephesians chapter 1. Turn to someone and say, fix your eyes. We're going to talk a little bit about vision and our eyes this morning. Um, speaking of vision, vision uh, back in Bible college days, that was the joke. That was like the pickup line. You'd go up to someone like, hey, baby, what's your vision? And uh, it, it works. I, I did it on my wife. I was like, hey, baby, what's your vision? I know what mine is. I'm looking at it right now. <laughs> oh, yeah. And it worked. It works. It works. I just heard another cool Christian pickup line this, uh, this week. Cool Christian pickup line. It works. So you're sitting next to someone in church. You're, you're in your Bible. You're, you're in the book of Numbers. And you're like, man, this, 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 book's, <laughs> this book's not complete because your number's not in it. It works. I just helped somebody. I just hooked you up. All right. Book of Numbers. Getting some vision. Chapter 1, verse 17. I don't know why I did that. Um, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation that you may know him better. I love this. This is the Apostle Paul praying. And he's saying, I also pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope which he has called the rich, called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. Can you hear an amen? And then we'll, we'll camp here in John chapter 9. And... Um, Verse 1, it says, as he, Jesus, went along, he saw a blind man from birth. And verse 2, his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And verse 3, neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happened so that the work of God may be displayed in his life. As long as it is day, we must do the work of him who has set me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. And having said this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told the man, wash in the pool of Shalom, which means sent. And the man went 
And so the man went and washed and came home seen. And his neighbors and those who had formerly saw him as a beggar said, isn't this the man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed he was. Others said, no, he looks like the man. But he said, no, I, I am the man. I'm the man. I'm the man. And how then were your eyes open, they demanded. And he replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. And he told me to go to Shalom and wash. And so I went and washed, and then I could see. Where is this man, they asked. I don't know, he said. In verse 14, they brought, the, they brought to the Pharisees the man who had been blind. And now on the day which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. And the Pharisees got upset. They said, how can Jesus make mud and put it on this guy's eyes and heal him on a Sabbath? And he goes on and he almost puts this man on trial, says, you're, you're not this man, what happened? And they're going through this whole ordeal for many verses. They actually bring the, 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 this man's parents to testify, is this kid, your, is, this, is this person your son, was he born blind? And they go on and it ends with him getting kicked out of the synagogue. And then in verse 35, when Jesus heard that he was thrown out, he found him. He said, do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me so that I may believe in him. And then Jesus, Jesus said, you now have seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. And then the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. Wow, it's a mouthful. I want to share this morning on the subject, um, coming to my senses. Coming to my senses. Uh, let's Close our eyes and let's pray. Father, we thank you for the word of God. Father, I thank you for who you are. God, you are amazing, Jesus. I pray you would open up the eyes of our hearts so that we might just know you more, love you more, Jesus. God, I pray that we would be a church of people that are so in love with you, that follow you. God, that you would open up our eyes. God, that you would uh, open up like, our, our senses, our spiritual senses, that we might have a greater awareness, understanding, perception of who you are, what you're doing in our lives. We love you. We give you the glory. Help me to communicate your word in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Does anyone here speak a, a, another language? Another language. There's a few of you. Uh, you speak different languages. My, my son's uh, they're in school, and they're learning Espanol. I don't know Spanish, but they come home speaking words I don't know, and that kind of scares me. I don't know what they're saying. I actually grew up in a home uh, where different lang languages were spoken, one language in particular, Tagalog. I am half Filipino, a quarter American Indian, and a quarter black. Uh, my name is Asim. It's a Middle Eastern name, and my dad grew up in Ohio. Go figure. And so I have this unique name, and I grew up in this unique home, and my mom spoke Tagalog, but uh, she, she married, um, she married uh, someone from the Caribbean, my dad. Uh, he was born in the Virgin Islands, and grew up in this home, and they, she would speak Tagalog, and she would be talking in this different language, and I'm like, I don't understand what you're saying. I don't understand what the words that are coming out of your mouth, mom, throw out the trash. I'm like, oh, okay, I, under I understand that. And then she'd get upset and start speaking more in this language. And I'm like, I thank God that I don't understand what she's saying right now. She could be saying anything. And I have this unique name. And many of you, for those of you who don't know me, um, my name means the protector. And so I know I'm, I'm thin. I, 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 I'm a skinny, four-eyed Filipino. But if you step up on me, I will mess you up. Someone just turned to their wife and was like, oh, I could take him. <laughs> Brock, I saw you. 
And so I have to say, I, go, I remember going to Starbucks and giving my name. My name is uh, Asim. And they give me this funny look like, what? I uh, Just Trent. Just put down Trent. Give me my latte. Let me just go on with my day. And um, for me, having a unique name, coming from a unique household, getting saved, radically saved. Many of you have heard my testimony, but getting, getting radically saved in, an app, in a church service, just encountering God. For the very first time, I, I, had, I, I was trying to connect the dots. I was trying to make sense of my life, make sense of who I am and why God made me and, and why I have the name that I have and why I come from the background that I, ha- that I have. And, and I thought, well, maybe perhaps perchance God's calling me to the missions field. And so I had a desire to minister to different cross cultures and different languages. My goal was to go to the mission field. And so I went and then I came back and I landed in Denver. Amen. <laughs> I had the desire to go to the missions field, to, to minister cross-culturally cross cross, cross to different languages, to go across barriers, to communicate God's love and his message. Now I want to ask you, how does God communicate uh, to us? How does God communicate cross-culturally to us? Now for me, I, I function best in clarity. I function best when things make sense. In fact, many of the personality, personality tests that I've taken say I function best when, when, when there's a clear objective. Some of you, like me, you, you, you can't function in ambiguity. You need clear clarity. You need, you, need, you need to understand it. If you don't understand it, you check out. If you, if you don't grasp it, you're not into it. And so for me, church was, 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 was I didn't understand it. For, for I, I really believe this. For a lot of people, when they come into church, they don't understand it. It doesn't make sense to them. What is church? What is the love of God? What is Jesus? What is God? What? It might as well be a different language. There's a barrier there. And that was me. I I worked for various employers, and I remember one employer that I worked for looked at me and said, Asim, why do you have that look on your face? I'm like, and and if you know me, I, I, I tend to have a look. And it's just this squinty look where my glasses, and I'm squinting, and I'm like, because I don't know what you're saying. You're asking me to do something. I don't under- understand it. So get that look off your face. You're going to scare the customers away. <laughs> and I really believe this, that some people, some people, they come into church and they have this, this look, like, what's going on? I remember going to church for the very first time and walking in, and, and, and it's like, what is this? I don't understand it. God, people are, it took me forever it took forever to the people on my high school campus to get me to come to church. They would say, you want to come to church? What? Yeah, you want to come to youth group? What? Yeah, no, we're going to worship. What? No, and then finally, one gal, she, she was smart. She said, we're going to play basketball. I was like, ah, yes. So I show up to church. Obviously, I've told my testimony here before. There's no basketball. She flat out lied. <laughs> And I walk in, I stumble into this gymnasium that's about 200 teenagers lifting up their hands. I'm like, dancing, I'm like, playing music. Not music, not cool music like, like, like today. Not music, not, not, not music. I mean, you're talking about like 80s music. And it was the 90s. We're talking about 80s. Like, Lord, I lift your name on. You came from heaven to earth to shine. And I'm like people doing a little dance, and I'm like, that, that's, I'm, I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful that 
that, that God goes beyond our natural senses. Because if I were to, to, to go by my natural senses, what I saw, what I heard, and touch people touching me, I'm like, back off. Don't you hug me. I don't know you. I don't know your name. Just met you. Don't hug me. I'm so thankful that God goes beyond our natural senses because it was in that atmosphere of awkwardness and weirdness that I find myself at this altar getting a a revelation of who God really is. Turn to someone and say, come to your senses. That was a water break. Come to your senses. It was in that moment, no one was preaching at me. No one was, there was no altar call. It was just me standing on a gym floor. And all of a sudden, my spiritual eyes were opened. And I had a moment like this man here in John chapter 9. I was blind, but now I see moment. Where all of a sudden, it just made sense. It made sense. Can't explain it. It just, I met Jesus. And when you meet Jesus, everything makes sense. None of this makes sense without Jesus. Church, Jesus, worship, it made sense why people worship, why people give their life, why people are crying. I remember looking, seeing, why are people crying? I remember literally looking over and seeing my wife who wasn't my wife at the time, but I was getting some vision. And I look over, and she's crying. And I, and I, I lean over to one of my buddies. I'm like, why is she crying? And she, he looks at me and he says, I, I think she's in pain. <laughs> that is not an exaggeration. I think she's in pain. I'm like, oh, makes sense. Kind of. Then all of a sudden, I found myself... Weeping, sobbing, I fell to the ground, sobbed and cried like a little girl, snots flying, tears crying for one hour. They literally had to pick me up and walk me to the, to the van that they picked me up in from my, from my high school campus. And it made sense. I understood why she was crying. I understood what, what, what I, know, I understand what Peter's talking about. I understand why we do what we do, why we give money, why we build churches, why we gather people, why we go across to the mission field, why people give their, literally, their, their, their life. It made sense. It made sense. And I, I just want us this morning just to, to, come, to our, come to our senses. I want to talk real briefly from the book of John, and I love the book of John because the book of John is, is the book of love. Uh, love is mentioned over 50 times in this book. It's a phenomenal book. It's, it's, the, it's the gospel that I first read when I became a believer because John beautifully, masterfully communicates God's love, how God's love is expressed through the person of Jesus Christ. In fact, John, in John chapter 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God. And the word, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, was with God, and the Word was God. What does that mean? What? What are you talking about? Well, he's saying that in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In fact, a 12-year-old girl was asked, what did God mean? What did John mean? What did the gospel mean? What did the Bible mean when it says that in the beginning was the Word? And why is Jesus called the Word? This 12-year-old girl replied, because Jesus is all God wanted to say to us. 
It just makes sense. For God so loved the world, famous verse, famous prayer that, that I pray for over my life when Jesus was, was, was about to go to the cross. He's praying to the Father. He's saying, Father, I pray that, that the love that you have for me would be in them also, would be in my disciples also. So it's a love book. And I love, I love a good love story. I love a good love story. I love Princess Bride. That's a good love story. Titanic, maybe. Twilight, no. Bachelorette, uh-uh. I love a good love story. And for me, this, was a, this, is, this made sense. God, you love me. You, you love me. And I want to talk real briefly of, from John chapter 9, what happens when one man encounters the love of God, when your spiritual senses are awakened, because God doesn't want you to walk through life blind spiritually, stumbling, not knowing what your next step's going to be. He wants to awaken your senses as you follow him. And this morning, I just want to talk about five senses of a Christ follower. Five senses of a Christ follower. Number one is this, a sense that he's watching you. John chapter 9, verse 1, it says, as he, Jesus, went along. Another translation says, as he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? He, he saw a man blind, blind from birth. He saw him as he was just passing by. In fact, he was just escaping a stoning from chapter 8. And as he's passing by, probably escaping his life, he had, he had the nerve, he had the audacity, he had the foresight, he had the compassion to look upon this man, this blind beggar that sat from birth. We don't know how old he is. We don't even know his name. But Jesus saw him, and he noticed him, and he fixed his eyes upon him. And I'm telling you, he notices you today. He sees you. That's powerful. The very fact that God notices you. That you're not passed by. He didn't pass you by. Sometimes you feel in life that you're passed by on the job. You're passed by with your friends. Maybe in a relationship someone just passed you by. But God doesn't pass you by. He sees you. He notices you. He's looking at you. And you know what he sees? He sees potential. He sees destiny. He sees greatness. You know what the disciples see? The disciples saw a problem. Saw a victim. Saw someone that was just hopeless. But where there's God, there is hope. And he saw him. When I got saved, I was like the token youth ministry testimony. It's like, we need a testimony. Go get a seam. Have him tell his. And so I would, you know, tell my testimony, go to different uh, camps and retreats because it was a God encounter. I mean, God just showed up. Imagine you bring one of your friends and all of a sudden they fall down sobbing for an hour and get radically saved. That happened to me. And so... People wanted me to tell the story. And I remember going to different camps, retreats, and I remember telling the story. And I never told that part of the story because for me, that, something was so far eclipsed that. It was the very fact that in, in a room full of hundreds of kids, God saw fit to visit me. He noticed me. He noticed me. It's powerful when, when, when you realize someone notices you. I remember the first time I realized my wife noticed me. Oh, we won't go into that. God notices you. He sees you, and he loves you. Can I hear an amen? Have a sense that, that God is watching you. 
that he sees every, everything you've gone through, everything you've ever done, all your struggles, all your pain. He's, he, I, he, and we need to fathom that. Some of you are still like, what? It doesn't make sense. Oh, it will. When you meet Jesus, it'll make sense because the Bible says that God knows us so more. He's looking at you. He has every hair on your head numbered. Number. He doesn't know how many hairs you have. He knows when you were combing your hair this morning and one of your follicles fell into the sink, he knew that, that, that number. He knew that was number 248. He knows every, every intricate detail of your life, and he loves you. Have a sense that he, he sees you. Next one, have a sense that time is of the essence. John chapter 9, verse 3, verse 1, when he saw the man blind from birth, the disciples asked him, who sinned? Was it his mom? Was it his dad? Neither. The man or his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the work of God may be displayed. And as long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. What? what you, God, what are you saying? As long as it is day, Day, I must do the work. Night is coming. What? Is it to really understand this? You got to understand John because when John writes about the life of Jesus, he does something that not a lot of the other gospel writers does. He 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 he, he illustrates and he writes about Jesus and how t- how time is of the essence. In John chapter two, he he writes about Jesus and and and. and when he's turning water into wine and Jesus says to his, father, his mother that my hour has not yet come. He talks in John chapter 4 where he talks about t- to his disciples and says, do not say four months until the harvest. John chapter 12, he says, my hour has, has come. My hour is here. John chapter 11, when Lazarus was getting raised from the dead, he looks at his disciples and says, are, are there not 12 hours in a day? That doesn't make any sense, God. God is saying there's still daylight. There's still time. Time is of the essence. Jesus lived life, and John does a masterful job of communicating and writing how Jesus lived life with the sense of urgency. That time matters. And this is a lesson not for for the blind man nor the Pharisees, but for his disciples, that time is of the essence. This blind man was born Blind, blind from birth, blind before he can even walk. Blind, came out of the womb blind as a child. Why? Because I really believe the enemy had an assignment. He didn't want this this young person to have a vision, to catch a glimpse, to fully understand who God is. That's why I love youth ministry. That's why over a decade my wife and I have given our lives to young people because we really believe that time is of the essence. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 1. Remember the days of the Lord in your youth, when you're young, when time is on your side. But the beauty of it is with God, there's always time. With God, there's always light. There's always daylight. It's wonderful. We can't procrastinate and put off the purpose of God, especially in other people's lives. We have to act now. There's a lot of blind people, a lot of people begging, a lot of people that need Jesus, a lot of people that we need to step out and not just pass by, not just walk by, but see what Jesus sees. Come on, when we look at people, we see the worst. When God looks at people, he sees the best. We need need to adjust our vision to God's vision. And when we see people, we don't just pass them by, we take action. Why? Because time is of the essence.
Number two, excuse me, three, a sense that God is working behind the scenes. Turn to someone and say, come to your senses. Water break. This is my favorite point. Because when Jesus is talking about this blind man, he goes on and he says, neither this man nor his parents sin, but this happens so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. As long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no man can work. What? God, what are you communicating? This is me talking to God as I'm reading this. You know why I, I named this, this, the, the, the title of this message, Come to Your Senses? Because when I read this story, when I read this story a couple weeks ago, it did not make sense. God, what are you talking about, God? You have a blind man... You have the disciples saying, this doesn't make sense. This, this man was born blind. Who, how, why is he born blind? You have the Pharisees that don't understand. Why, why, why did God heal him? You have the blind man who's blind. He's like, why am I blind? This doesn't make sense. Then Jesus comes along, spits on mud, puts mud in his eyes, and says, go and be healed. He doesn't heal him there. He says, go, go and be healed. And then all of a sudden, his eyes open. God, this doesn't make sense. Then all of a sudden, I kept reading, and I landed in verse 14, where it talks about not what Jesus did, but when he did it. On a Sabbath. On a, a Sabbath. Okay, God, I, I, I think I, I understand what you're, you're saying. I think this is starting to make a little bit more sense, God, because if you were to study Jesus and his healings, in fact, uh, Pastor Doug pre- preached on one last week on, on Bethesda, the pool of Bethesda, and, the, and the, the crippled man that was healed on the pool, that, that, that man was healed on, on a Sabbath. And if you were to track Jesus' healing throughout his ministry, you, you would notice that that's on seven times, seven, seven times God healed on a Sabbath. I actually preached a little bit about this two and a half years ago, about the woman in, in Luke chapter 13 who was bent over for 13 years. He was bent. He, she, 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 she was bent. She couldn't stand up for, for 18 years. And all of a sudden, Jesus come, lays hands on her, says, woman, be free. She was healed on a Sabbath, a Sabbath. Okay, God, seven times you healed on a Sabbath. So I start going, thinking, I'm like, God, okay, I'm, I'm understanding this. Okay, I, so, so I start going to my, my Bible college days, principles of hermeneutics. Okay, the first mention principle, Sabbath. Where's the first time we see Sabbath? Sabbath means seven. Where do we see seven on the seventh day? Seventh day. Okay, seventh day. So I go to the book of Genesis. And I read Jesus on the first day he created the skies, lights and skies. And he created the, the fish and the sea and the water. And for, so on the sixth day he created man. And then on the seventh day. Seventh day, he rested. Okay, God, this is, I think I know what you're saying, God. On the seventh day, okay, seven, rest. Okay, seven equals rest. I think I'm understanding this. Okay, then all of a sudden, you got to understand the Sabbath. It's actually one of the Ten Commandments, the Fourth Commandment, where, where God says, you shall keep the Sabbath holy. You should keep the Sabbath holy. And for the Sabbath, for for this particular religious community, the Sabbath was so important because this was the day that they practiced their particular religion. This was the day that they worshipped Jesus. It was the Sabbath. It was the seventh day. It was the day that they rested and worshipped God. The Sabbath. Okay, seven equals rest. Genesis. Now, okay, back to 
Okay, principles of hermeneutics. Okay, the language of creation is the language of redemption. Now I go from creation to the cross, and I see Jesus on the cross, and I'm like, okay, God, communicate to me. God, I, I don't understand. I have this funny look. God, this, this doesn't make sense. And then all of a sudden, I read Luke, and I see Jesus hanging on the cross, and the Bible says that he hung there on the third hour at 3 o'clock. At 3 o'clock, he hung there, and he, he, he was, was, was dying for, for not four hours, not five hours, but for six hours until finally at the end of the ninth hour when it's, when it's nine o'clock, he breathes his last breath at the end of the sixth hour and he says, it is finished, ushering us into the seventh hour. What? Doesn't make sense. God, are, are you saying what I, what, I, what I think you're saying? Are you saying that, God, you, you did all the work? Because here he's saying, I came to do the work that, that this man was born blind so that the work of God might be displayed. God, is, are you saying what I think you're saying he is? That when we follow Jesus, it's, it's about a person, not a practice. It's about a person. Because he had this religious community all bent up on the Sabbath. Oh, look what Jesus is doing. He healed a blind man on the Sabbath. In fact, the very act of his healing, when he spit on the mud and he took the mud and he began to make clay and put it on the man, that was actually Jesus spitting on the rabbinical laws that said you can't, you can't knead clay on a Sabbath. One of the 39 categories that you can't do because we like to make laws within laws. When God says keep the Sabbath, you know what the, you know what the Israelites did? They made 39 categories of just to ensure that you can keep the Sabbath. There's over 600 laws beyond the Ten Commandments in the Torah that, to help us keep the law. It's never about a practice. It's about a person. And the law in and of itself, I mean, I remember my grandfather, and living, I lived for a season of my life with my grandfather, and they had this wonderful backyard, and I remember them putting a fence because they, they, they lived by a busy street. And they were like, it's like, enjoy the yard, but there's a fence there. Don't hop over the fence because you're going to get hit by a car. But what we like to do is we like to put fences within fences, within fences, and all of a sudden, something that was meant to be enjoyed, now, we're now in prison. And that's not freedom. That doesn't make sense. What makes sense is it's about a person. Therefore, we can rest. In fact, at one point, Jesus said, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. It's not about me. It's not about a practice. And we're talking about practice. We have the Son of God, and we're stinking talking about practice. No, we have Jesus. We have a person. And that person makes everything make sense and he's working behind the scenes, even when you can't see him, even when you don't know what's going on, even though you don't know what's next, we can rest and trust that God is God and he'll make everything make sense. Even when you're living life in darkness, which leads me to my fourth point, a sense that I have to keep going. One of my favorite parts of the story is not what Jesus did, but what he asked this blind man to do after he spit and put a mud pie in his eye. 
he spit, made clay, put it on the blind man's eye, steps back and says, now go to the pool of shalom, which means sent, and wash yourself. And one of the most powerful verses here is when it says, so the man went. So, so he went. So he went. I can't imagine. Here he is. He's blind. He hears Jesus hawking a loogie, spitting on the ground. He's, his, his head's getting jabbed back with mud in his eye. And at that point, you think Jesus would just say, be healed. Open your eyes. You're fine. Go. He says, no, go to the pool of Shalom. I, w- I want to know how far the pool of Shalom was. And I want to know at what point as this man went, did he come to his senses and he realized this is going to work. I, I can't stop. I, I got I to keep going. I mean, at one point, when did he realize, you know what, I'm actually worse off than I was when I, when I followed, I mean, when, when, you, when I met you. You know what really, you know who really inspires me? Are the people that follow Jesus and they're worse off. I remember when I first got saved and I grabbed my Bible that someone gave me and I, I'm so excited to read the book of John and I go home and, and I see my parents and my parents are unbelievers. My stepfather was an atheist. I'm like, hey, you wouldn't, you wouldn't believe what happened to me. He looks at me and he says, that's great, but if you were my real son, I would let you have no part of that. I don't think I was better off. You know what kept me going? was reading stories of people in China being martyred for their faith, in prison for their faith. Were they better off? See, what inspires me are the people that even in darkness, even when they can't see their next step, even they don't know where they're going and, and it doesn't make any sense, they're, they're going. They don't stop. Come on, this is the secret sauce to Christianity. In fact, if you were to read Hebrews chapter 11, where it talks about all the heroes of the faith. It says they had this one thing in common. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 13, it says that they all died still believing. They all died still living by faith. They held on. They fought the good fight to the the very end. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Why? Because he endured the cross. At what point did he think, I gotta keep going? I don't know what's next. Some of you, you're in that situation. You're like, I, this doesn't make any sense. I, it's, it's dark. I don't know what my next, next step's going to be. I don't know what my future is. I don't know where I'm going to end up. But God, I know what the Bible says. I'm going to walk by faith and not by sight. I'm going to trust in you. I'm not going to give up. Come on, I'm going to keep going. Can I hear an amen? Oh, come on, we need a praise break. You got to keep going. We can't, can't stop. I'm only here for one, by one reason. I, I didn't stop. There's a lot more people, better looking, more talented, could preach better. But I'm still standing. And it doesn't matter. Come on, you, you may be brailing your way through life. And it may, may not be looking pretty. You're like this blind man. You got mud on your eyes. And you're thinking, I look ugly. This is foolish. It doesn't make sense. But God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep going. I'm going to keep stepping. I'm going to keep on keeping on. He went. And as he went and in the going, he finds himself at this pool, washing the mud from his eyes. And sight begins to come. And it's such a beautiful story. He begins to testify to the Pharisees because they can't believe that Jesus would do this 
on a Sabbath that he would need clay, make mud, and heal on a Sabbath. He gets kicked out of the synagogue. Jesus finds him. I love this. He says he finds him. And when he finds him, and this leads me to my last point, a sense that God loves me no matter what. When he finds him, he says, do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? sir? The man replied, tell me so that I may believe in him. And Jesus said, you now have seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you now. And so the man, so the Lord, so the man said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. What a beautiful story. That even when he was cast aside, kicked out, ostracized, when people thought less of him, Jesus still sought him out. Even after Jesus healed him, he still went after him. That's the love of God coming after you. He did nothing. He was just begging. He wasn't even looking for God. But God came right to him. And I want us just to allow God just to come right to where you're at right now. Speak to you. Come on, bring spiritual awareness, understanding, perception that he's watching you, that he loves you. And some of you are going through a dark time, a time that doesn't even make sense. God's saying, you know, keep, keep going. I got a miracle for you. Don't, don't stop. Imagine if this man would have stopped and said, man, this is stupid. It doesn't make sense. No. He came to his senses.